It's that time of the week again, and this is the CFF Sites Week 7 College Fantasy Football Show. My name is Joe DeSalvo, the voice of the CFF site, and we are more than, uh, we're past the halfway point of the 2022 college football season, and your college fantasy football leagues are heating up. I mentioned last week, this last week was really just the start of that stretch run over the second half of the season. Now it's time to start putting some pieces together on your roster. For you guys that don't have depth right now, it's really just about making it, surviving, finding some pieces on the waiver wire and building a little bit of depth over the second half of the season. And for you guys that have a lot of depth on your roster, now it's the time, now is the time to start leveraging your depth into maybe building stronger pieces to your roster and ready to make a championship run. So whether you're at the top of your league, middle of your league, or kind of hanging on, uh, this is going to be the most important weeks of the season, seven, eight, nine, as we come into the home stretch of the season and change the format up a little bit last week, more of a shorter show. I'm going to follow a very similar format, go into some of the more pressing questions that that I think you guys have had. The one thing that I've done is stayed really glued into the Discord server. Um, you know, whether you guys know it or not, you know, I'm not super active in the discord. Uh, you know, my partner, Mike Bainbridge certainly is, he's a lot more wired in. You can DM me through the discord. You guys have my email address as well. There's several ways to get in touch with me, but I like to take a backseat when it comes to the discord. I kind of like to see, you know, what's being discussed. I like to kind of approach the weekly shows by taking some tidbits out of that. I'm going to do that again this week. Uh, with some things that I've noticed going on in the Discord. And like I said, I don't like to get too involved with that. I think it's, you know, that's that's a lot for you guys. It's a, it's a great place and a great resource, particularly for the games and injury news leading up to the weekend for you guys discussing DFS, for you guys, whether or not you're in the, the gambling channels or whether you are in the team-specific channels. A lot of great information. But I like to kind of stay neutral in there. I like to kind of just take the back seat, let you guys do all the discussions in there every once in a while I'll chime in, but you guys have given me some good info or, or just some, some good tidbits to use. And I'm going to use that this week throughout the show. First off, I want to do is start off with the four and one super fantasy league. The brackets are not yet updated, but I did update the results in the two halves tournament because the first half tournament is complete. And we have our first entrant into one of the finals that are going to be coming up later on this year, taking a part in weeks 12 and 13. But congrats to friend of the show, Andrew P. Katz, who won the first half tournament. And the second half tournament will be getting this week. We've got the Eliminator going. We've got the head-to-head tournament going. <laughs> Excuse me. But Andrew Katz wins the first half tournament. He finds himself... With a spot in the final, he will play the champion of the second half tournament to see who wins that two halves tournament format. Like I said, the eliminator in the head-to-head format still to be updated, but I do want to give a shout out to the top six guys that are overall points leader in the total points format. And of course, with his run through the first half tournament, Andrew Katz finds himself at the top of the leaderboard uh, in the total points, followed by at Tommy Mack in second, 
number three, uh, B. Bales, uh, Balestra is number th- number three, followed in fourth by Iron, Iron City Renegades, number five, Legan Boz, and number six, Uncle Buck. I, I mentioned the top six this week because all of you guys are within the uh, within 72 points of one another, but right now the top 25 teams in that four and one Super Fantasy League format are all within 200 points. And certainly a couple of good weeks here and there put you right in the running. So just some high fives and wanted to slap some asses for everybody doing really well in the four in one Super Fantasy League. But again, congrats to Andrew Katz, who won the first half tournament. Everything else should be updated, hopefully by tomorrow going into the weekend. But let's get into... Let's get into the week seven matchups, and I'm going to start it a little differently this week. I'm going to start in the group of five conferences. When I look over the American Athletic Conference, I'm kind of drawing a blank there. Really nothing pressing from what I'm seeing in regards to just an overall overview. I think what we see is what we've gotten so far pretty straight up. When I look at Conference USA, I I think of you guys holding on to or starting players on UTSA. And I think the question this week is going to be just how much will they run up the scoreboard in that game against Florida International? Obviously a road game for UTSA. So that's even better for you guys that have, you know, guys like Frank Harris, DeCorian Clark, Zachary Franklin, uh, Joshua Cephas, and maybe even Brady, the running back this week. Um, when I look all throughout the conference as well, really just about a comment, quick comment about UAB running back Dwayne McBride, who has been our number one running back now, I think for about my, at least in my rankings for three weeks straight, great start to the year for him after missing the opener. And then I think when I look at this conference as well, the thing that stands out to me is that Western Kentucky, Middle Tennessee matchup. Uh, you know, for you guys with Austin Reed, obviously we're looking for a lot of points. Hopefully the MTSU team that showed up that scored a lot of points, particularly the one that beat Miami shows up this week. And I think that would really, really bode well for you guys with Western Kentucky assets, in particular, Austin Reed at quarterback, Daywood Davis and, and Malachi Corley as well. Getting over into the Mid-American Conference, let's take a look right there. Because the one that stands out to me, Lou Nichols, you know, getting it going, uh, you know, can he keep it going against Akron this week? You know, a little bit up and down start to the season, but this is a good matchup for him at one and five Akron this week. Then I look at Buffalo playing UMass. We had running back Mike Washington. I think the biggest question for you guys that scooped up Mike Washington on the waiver wire is, is he here to stay, right? Touchdowns. In three straight games, last week he went 16, 155, and two at Bowling Green. But Ron Cook did have as many carries as Mike Washington. So will that split come back to really hurt you guys? Uh, But when I look at the numbers and I look at the utilization, I think Mike Washington is the guy that you want to have. Touchdowns in three straight games. I think two of those have been multiple touchdown games. And certainly the running back, you want to have in that Buffalo backfield. And I think the matchup against UMass, another favorable one. I look at Mike Washington. I expect him to get in the end zone for a fourth consecutive game. Also staying in the MAC conference, you're look, we're, I want to look at that UConn versus Ball State matchup. And really 
from a UConn perspective, right? Even though we're not talking independence, but this is a matchup independent versus a MAC conference team. Devontae Houston last week I threw out as a sleeper on the show. 12 rushes, 135 yards, but he got injured in that matchup. And then Victor Rosa came in. He had 16 rushing attempts for 89 yards and two touchdowns this week. UConn plays a Ball State defense that is giving up over 189 yards per game on the ground. And so this week, sticking with UConn, I think Victor Rosa is a nice sleeper for you guys in some deep full FBS leagues. And then I don't think we could talk Mac without getting into Northern Illinois and that matchup against Eastern Michigan. You know, two weeks ago, Harrison Whaley carried the ball 32, 30 times for 230 yards and three touchdowns, while teammate Ontario Brown only carried the ball two times for five yards. It looked like we had some clarity at running back in that Northern Illinois backfield. And then all of a sudden last week, Ontario, Ontario Brown goes for 84 yards and a touchdown on 17 carries while Whaley was limited to 27 yards on 13 rush attempts. Many of you guys, uh, your week was saved because Whaley did catch 10 balls out of the backfield for 96 yards. So that did save him or at least save you guys that started him last week coming off of that 230 yard performance. But now after last week, it looks like we may get some split carries again. And so we're back in the situation we were three weeks ago. And I can see where many of you guys are shying away from that Northern Illinois backfield. Let's hop over real quick. Cause there's one matchup that I would, that I do want to touch on over. Uh, I, well, at least a couple in the mid um, mountain West conference where Utah state is taking on and traveling to Colorado state. Obviously, with Cooper Legas taking over at quarterback with the uh, injury to Logan Bonner, I look for him to be a nice pick this week going up against that Colorado State defense. And then another matchup in the Mountain West Conference as well. Nevada's playing on the road at Hawaii. I think Tua Tawa is a great play this week against Hawaii, even though the matchup is on the road. Tower making my top 20. He might even be in the top 10 this week. But when you look at his numbers over the course of the season, he's coming off of he only had seven carries for 73 yards in that matchup a couple of weeks ago against Air or, or three weeks ago, excuse me, because they had a bye in that matchup against Air Force. But he's found the end zone twice in back to back games. He has three multiple touchdown games. And when you look at the schedule and you look and see, you know, the matchups that Nevada's had, he's gone 23 and 80 and two against Colorado State. He scored two against Air Force in that game against Incarnate Word. He had 24 carries for 101 yards and a touchdown, and in Texas State, 18, only 36 yards, but he did find the end zone again twice, matchup against New Mexico State, 109 yards. So I think this is really a good matchup for Toa Tawa uh, for Nevada on the road this weekend against Hawaii. So that's going to kind of touch on the, the Mountain West matchups that I wanted to talk about. And then we're going to go ahead into the Sunbelt Conference before we go ahead and get into the Power Five conferences. So when we look at the Sunbelt Conference this week, the one thing that really jumps out at me is Georgia Southern has given up. They've allowed six, excuse me, 100-yard rushers in six games this year. They haven't given up 100-yard rushers in six consecutive games because there was a week where they did not. But Georgia Southern has given up six 100-yard rushers in six games this year. Now, 
when we look at the schedule this week, who do they play? They play James Madison, right? And so you've got James Madison running back, Percy Obese, coming off a 21-carry, 158-yard, two-touchdown performance in that 42-20 win at Arkansas State last week. You have to think with Georgia Southern and the rushing yards that they're allowing on the game, they're giving up 226.7 yards per game on the ground. That is sixth worst in the FBS. I think you've really got to like Percy OBC's matchup this week, and you've got to get him in your lineup. The one thing that I will mention while we're talking about this matchup is to just be aware a little bit. Jalen White for Georgia Southern has had a great start to the season. However, you know who's got the number one ranked rush defense in the FBS this year? That's right, James Madison. They're giving up 42 rushing yards per, gra- per game on the ground. That is best in the country. Clemson, the next best team at number two, 64.2 yards per game on the ground. So they are 32 yards better per game on the ground against the run than the next best team in the country, which is Clemson. Be careful with you guys starting Jalen White this week, and that's going to make a run through the group of five real quick. Now let's jump into the Power Five conferences, and let's start over in the ACC. And we'll start with that matchup, Miami at Virginia Tech, Malachi Thomas. First game back last week, 15 carries, 84 yards, and a touchdown caught five passes out of the backfield for 14 yards. They're playing Miami this week. For you guys that picked him up and feel like you need to start him, good luck to you. I'd like to see one more week from Malachi Thomas before we get him in the lineup this week. Uh, But an impressive performance against Pitt last week. But for me, Malachi Thomas is a hold. I want to see one more week out of him before I'm ready to put him into the starting lineup. But then, you know, again, you look up matchups like I'm going to talk about next, North Carolina State versus Syracuse, right? So it comes down to what's your roster look like? Who are you playing? You know, do you need to be aggressive? Do you need to be play it safe? Do you need a guy like Malachi Thomas? Because when you take a matchup like NC State versus Syracuse, You know, you look at players like Garrett Schrader, Sean Tucker, who are staples in lineups week in and week out this year. But boy, that's going to be one grinded out matchup. The Vegas total sits at 21. That's a couple of touchdowns, you know, maybe three touchdowns from one team if you're lucky. I don't know if you're over on the NC State side. Really, I don't know who you feel comfortable with playing on that offense right now. And then obviously on Syracuse, side it's either comes down to Garrett Schrader Sean Tucker and for me right now it's kind of you have to weigh your options you know in this matchup before you start one of those two guys but like you said depending on how deep your league is depending on if you're conference specific you may have to start those guys so I never like to say that everybody anybody's a must start I never want to say anyone's a must bench you have to weigh the specs of your league but for me those two guys right now are the tough calls this week And then obviously Clemson at Florida State, Treshawn Ward out, but that creates a little clarity at running back this week. But like I mentioned, running backs, Florida State going up against that Clemson defense. And I just told you how Clemson's rush defense is number two in the country this week. So right now for me, that's a tough matchup if you're starting any players from Florida State. The matchup I do like, North Carolina playing on the road at Duke. 
no concern with our North Carolina players, but I do think quarterback, Duke quarterback, Riley Leonard is definitely a worthy option this week for you guys. He's got 50-plus rushing yards in four of six games this year, and they're going up against that North Carolina defense that has given up a lot of yards and a lot of points this year. Let's get into the Pac-12. I'm going to skip over to Pac-12. I have a good bit over there in the in the Big T- Big 12, so I may, I may save them for a little bit later. But the, the, a couple of matchups here that stand out to me in the Pac-12, Cal playing on the road at Colorado. A lot of you guys that have been into the projections, into my weekly rankings already, see that Jaden Ott is high up on the list. Remember, 19 carries for 274 yards and three touchdowns. Against Arizona, he went for 16 and 69 and one against Washington State. Remember, that was the same Washington State team that basically gave fits to Wisconsin. And, and, you know, quite honestly, Washington State has been better defensively than I thought they would have been uh, going into the season. But look, Cal plays on the road. They're playing Colorado this week. And I think that really, really bodes well for Jaden Ott and his fantasy owners. I think you've got to get him into the lineup or at least give him some serious consideration this week in that matchup. And then, of course, the big matchup in the Pac-12, USC playing on the road at Utah. Number seven, USC, a three and a half point underdog on the road. Tavian Thomas seemed to get things going last week. I think you're going to see a heavy dose of Tavian Thomas this week. We know that USC is l- using uh, Travis Dye a lot, so I would not you know, be sitting Travis Dye if I had him. But this is one of those matchups where you've got to be careful, right? Um, you know, Road game at Utah is not going to be easy. But I do think if you have die, you get him in your lineup this week. I think for me, and and you know, first of all, let me just mention Jordan Addison. His numbers have dipped a little bit over the last couple of weeks. This is a matchup they're going to need him. This is a matchup I think you've got to get him in there as well. For me, this is what I want to. This is where I'm. I'm really interested to see how things play out. Is at the quarterback position. Who Caleb Williams, one of the top, you know, two three quarterbacks going into the season this year road game at Utah Cameron rising for Utah has been really good even from a fantasy perspective this year I'm wondering if at the end of this week if Cameron rising will finish with better fantasy numbers than Caleb Williams this might be a matchup uh where where I'd be willing to make that call it's gonna be fun it's gonna be a good game good fun game to watch uh, one of those late games that'll be fun for us to watch, but I'm interested to see if Cameron Rising can outscore Caleb Williams from a fantasy perspective this week. I think he might be able to do it. Let's go over into, uh, let's go to the Big 12. Thought I had a lot on the Big 12, but actually I was looking at Big 12 and Big 10 notes and really just a quickie. I had CJ Donaldson up here. I don't know if this will get posted before kickoff. You have to pay attention to reports for him. Reports are that he will not play this week. And so that's going to favor Johnson and Mathis if you want to roll with one of those two guys. They are at um, <clears throat> they are at home, but they do get Baylor. Baylor a tough defense. Uh, I don't know if I'd be willing to put my chips in that basket, but if I had to choose one or the other, I'd probably go with Johnson over Mathis, who I think has scored a touchdown in two consecutive games. Now, <clears throat> excuse me. 
that leads to my next point. And I mentioned at the top of the show, I was going to get into some comments that I see being made on Discord uh, that go on throughout, you know, just every week. I, I see all the posts that happen and some of them jump out to me. And so I kind of make note of them and, and I'm going to reference them on this week's show. So, you know, I, I'm not going to mention who who made the comments, but I, I know there was a comment made in the Discord. Are we moving on Jason Bean? And of course, a lot of that's going to do with, you know, the the severity and the injury on Jalen D- Daniels. But the question really seemed to be, uh, or or to me, seemed to be, are, are we moving on him? In other words, are we moving on him this week? Um, and it, it, that wasn't the comment that really got me. The, really com- the comment that really stuck out to me was, well, we have X amount of games of game film on him. So, uh, you know, we already have X amount of game film on him. So, or 23 games of film on him. So it it was like buyer beware. Right. And, and and I get that, but the reason why that comment stuck out to me is because I really don't, I, I feel like that, that comment was, Hey, we've seen him enough to know that we necessarily can't trust him or we shouldn't necessarily move on him after last week's performance. Right. He did well in relief role last week, 16 of 24, 262 yards and four touchdowns. He even added 34 yards rushing on the ground in that game against TCU. But be careful what we say about whether or not we think we know guys just based on we have enough film on him. We've seen him play. He's not necessarily a player that we're going to move on because he did perform well last week. And look, I know you're only, you know, some people say you're only as good as your last game. And sometimes I sit here and say, we need to see more as I just did with Malachi Thomas, but maybe, maybe somebody needs Jason Bean. Are we moving on Jason Bean? Here's my take. (laughs) Really depends on your league. It depends on the size specs, your desperation, your ability to have someone on and need a quarterback right away. But do I have hesitation on starting Jason Bean from what I saw last week? I wouldn't, particularly if you need him. And here's the here's what I'll caution you about on 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 making judgment on guys that maybe weren't particularly good in the past, but maybe they're maybe they're turning a corner. Maybe Jalen Daniels is out longer. Maybe Jason Bean has turned a corner. Last week numbers were pretty damn impressive, right? Keep this in mind. We had all kind of film on Bo Nix, right? All kind of film on him. What's he doing this year, right? I mean, he's ha- he's on pace to have the biggest year that he's ever had right now. DJU, quarterback for Clemson. He totaled 13 touchdowns last year in 12 games. We had 12 games of tape on him last year. He's already got 17 touchdowns in six games this year. And then look at Spencer Sanders, right? 22 touchdowns in 12 games last year. He's got 18 in five games this year. So be careful what you say about whether or not we have enough game film on somebody. It's a different year. And these are college guys. These are young kids. They progress. They get better. Sometimes it's the system. And I happen to think that if you need a quarterback this week, I'd be willing to move on Jason Bean against that Oklahoma defense this week. Matter of fact, I think I've got him ranked number 20 in my quarterback ranking. So where I'm a little iffy on Malachi Thomas, I have a little bit more confidence in Jason Bean. And why? Look at the players I referenced above. You just cannot hold them to their past. 
there are there are players that progress throughout their career, and maybe we're seeing the progression. Maybe it's the system of that Kansas State offense plus, you know, the ability of Jason being improved. And I think if you need a quarterback this week, I would not be afraid to move on Jason Bean. As a matter of fact, and this is why I think Big 12 was such a big topic for me, is let's go to Oklahoma State and TCU, where Quinton Johnson is coming off of that 14 catch, 206 yard, one TD performance last week. Up until that point, he's only had 12 catches for 114 yards in the first four games. I felt like this about Quinton Johnson last year. And I've not changed my mind. If you want to start Quentin Johnston against me, go ahead and do it. I am going to roll the dice and not feel comfortable that he's going to put those type of, well, it, look, I know he's he's probably, I don't want to eat my words here, but he's probably not going to put up those type of numbers again. But, you know, 12 catches over the first four games, he basically averaged three catches and maybe what? I don't know. Um 30 yards through the first four games of the year. I'd be more willing to bet he finishes closer to those numbers than the 14, 206 and one. So be careful. Like, I feel like sometimes those performances are just like they're fool's gold. And then you get trapped into starting them. I feel like this happened with Quentin Johnston last year. And then all of a sudden now you're chasing fantasy points because you missed out on his big game, but then not starting him. You, you, you know, if you didn't start him over the first four weeks, you really were fortunate because you missed out on those clunkers. So you're either going to hit big. It's either go big or go home with Quentin Johnston. And and that's not a risk that I'm willing to take at this time of the year, particularly if your back's up against a wall and you need a win, you're undefeated or you're winless right now, or you've got one loss or you've got, you know, you're only got one win. I get it. You know, go, go for broke, but, that's a player that I'm nervous about, too. I don't want to fall in the trap with Quentin Johnston this year that many of you guys fell into last year. And so he's a guy that I'm a little iffy on um, this week after that big performance. And then, obviously, you've got Iowa State playing at Texas. Iowa State, three-game losing streak. They lose 31-24 to Baylor. They lose 14-11 at Kansas. They miss three field goals. And then they lose 10-9 to Kansas State. You know, tough sledding for that offense right now. But the reason why I bring that up is because their defense has still been pretty good, right? There's one thing that's been pretty constant on Iowa State is their defense has been pretty good, and Xavier Hutchinson has been putting up big numbers, which is why he's highly ranked this week in the wide receiver rankings again. I just throw that out there, just wondered if there's tough sledding ahead this weekend for Bijan Robinson and that Texas offense. I know they look good. They look dominant in their last couple of games, but just warning, maybe, maybe this is a little bit more 100-yard, one-touchdown game for Bijan as opposed to the two, three-touchdown game, 160-yard rushing. We'll see how that plays out, but I do think it's going to be a little bit tougher sledding for Texas and that offense this week. Now, let's get over to the Big Ten because I don't think you could talk about tough sledding without getting into that Minnesota and Illinois matchup. But I have a bunch of numbers for that matchup, so I'll save that one for last. I really want to touch on Wisconsin real quick, coming off of that 42-7 win over Northwestern. Ches Malisi now out. I believe he's got a wrist injury that's going to keep him out indefinitely. Is it is it Braylon Allen time? I can't help but think yes. 23 carries, 135 yards, and a touchdown last week. 
I think this week, like I think this is the start of Braylon Allen going on a serious run for you guys. This week, Wisconsin plays against Michigan State. The Spartans, Spartans defense giving up 153.5 yards per game on the ground against the run, and I think that makes Braylon Allen, gives him a ton of fantasy appeal this week. Nebraska at Purdue, a lot of talk, chatter, questions about Charlie Jones. I mentioned this in my notes and observations right after the weekend for you guys that read it earlier in the week. His numbers weren't great. They're a, they're a shadow of what they were in the beginning of the year, but I do have confidence those numbers are going to pick back up. He, feel, he finished with seven targets last week, which was second highest on the team to tight end Payne Durham, who had eight. So still a lot of confidence. Charlie Jones is still getting the looks, and I've got confidence that those numbers will come up. Now, I mentioned tough sledding, confidence when numbers come up. Where I don't think numbers are going to be is in that Minnesota-Illinois matchup. Minnesota traveling to Illinois. Vegas total sits at 39.5, which I think dropped because I think it started out over 40. Minnesota, a a 6.5-point favorite. That one's a little bit more of of a surprise to me, but um, you know, this basically comes down to Mo Ibrahim, uh, as long as he's back and healthy against uh, uh, against Chase Brown in that, you know, um, that Illinois running game. Chase Brown has been able to put up numbers, gone over 100 in every game so far this year. Could he do it against Minnesota this week? Absolutely, he can. I think you're going to see a heavy dose of both of these guys this week. But this... This is why you've got to be a little bit concerned about this matchup. Let's just throw this out there, right? Um, uh, When you look at the run defenses of both of these teams, Illinois, I think, is the third best against the run in the country, while Minnesota is sixth best against the run in the country. Illinois' Defense, number one in points per game allowed. Minnesota, number two in points per game allowed, right? Okay, so let's get into a little bit more because we're talking Russian numbers, right? Rushing touchdowns allowed this year. You know who's the number one team in the nation? Illinois. They're tied with Georgia. They've each only given up one rushing touchdown this year. Guess who's given up the second fewest touchdowns this year? Minnesota. They're tied at number three behind Illinois and Georgia for fewest touchdowns allowed this year on the ground at two. Passing TDs allowed this year. Illinois, number one in the country, tied with Auburn. They've only given up two passing touchdowns this year. Minnesota, they've only given up three. So they're right behind Illinois and Auburn for fewest Touchdowns allowed. They're tied with three other teams. Look, this is a defensive matchup. I'm looking to see Ibrahim and Brown get about 25, 30 carries a game, and it's going to be three yards and a cloud of dust. That's going to be an interesting matchup for you guys starting those two running backs this week. Good luck. It's going to be, I don't know if I would call this game fun, but it's going to be interesting to see how this matchup plays up. Uh, plays out this weekend with a healthy Ibrahim and Minnesota going on the road against Illinois. For for me, Illinois has been a big surprise this weekend and uh, this so far this year. And both of those defenses are playing extremely well this year. So that's going to do it for the Big Ten. Let's hop over into the SEC before we wrap things up. And I did mention 
when I was throwing out those stats that Auburn had one of the best pass defenses in the country, I don't think that's going to matter. Ole Miss is going to use that running game, and I think Ole Miss has no problem with with Auburn this weekend and that running game of Evans and Judkins, one-two punch on the ground. Here's another interesting stat for you guys. Mississippi State playing at Kentucky, who has gotten Chris Rodriguez back. But here's the one thing that's really interesting in this matchup for you owners of Will Rogers, right? This is only the third road game for Mississippi State this year. In their four home games, Will Rogers is thrown for 450, 409, 395, and 329. His two is his two lowest single game passing totals this year have been on the road 214 at LSU 313 at Arizona this week Mississippi State on the road at Kentucky I'm not telling you to bench Will Rogers I'm just saying his two lowest single total games passing totals this year have been in road matchups and they are on the road this week at Kentucky, and then we'll end things with that big Alabama-Tennessee showdown, Hendon Hooker versus Bryce Young. Will they have Cedric Tillman back? I'm doubtful that he's going to play this week. I still think Jalen Hyatt, Brew McCoy are solid plays on the Tennessee side. I do think, and here's my call, I'll just make a prediction on this. I think you know Bryce Young's going to play. You know, we've talked about the wide receivers of Alabama on whether or not, you know, who's where's the fantasy value at. The one thing that we do know is that Jameer Gibbs right now has things going for Alabama. When you look at the Alabama side, it's about Bryce Young, Jameer Gibbs. Do those two guys have enough to fuel that Alabama offense over Tennessee, who I do think is going to move the ball on Alabama? I do think Hendon Hooker has been impressive. I do think McCoy and I do think that Hyatt are going to be enough in the passing game because I think Tennessee is going to be able to do enough with the running game, with their running backs, with the one-two punch of Jabari Small and Jalen Wright to keep Alabama off balance. And I think Tennessee, I would not be surprised to see Tennessee win this game and keep Bama off balance. The question for me is the efficiency at which the Alabama offense is going to operate with the return of Bryce Young. I could see Bryce Young having big numbers. I could see Jameer Gibbs being a factor both in the running and the passing game. And then from there with those receivers, take a look at the projections. You're going to see a little bit of a mixed bag. That really is going to become down to how efficient can those can he spread the ball, uh, Bryce Young spread the ball around to those Alabama receivers. We seem to know the commodities on the Tennessee side little bit more of a question mark on the Alabama side. Alabama, again, you know, they've been tested, um, you know, in their last couple of games, you know, Arkansas, uh, the, you know, they were tested against te- uh, Texas, uh, brought to the brink there, and then obviously against Texas A&M, had the ball within striking distance. Is this the week Bama goes down? My prediction is that Bama goes down this weekend and Hendon Hooker operates that Tennessee offense with some efficiency and they're able to do things in the run game and the passing game. Now I'm not saying Hendon Hooker is going to put up a lot of points, but I think that Tennessee offense is going to keep that Alabama defense unbalanced and guessing at times. And I think Tennessee is going to do enough to upend Bama, but I would definitely get Bryce Young in there, Jameer Gibbs in there. And I think that's going to be a fun win to watch. So there's the big prediction for the weekend. And there's a lot of my talking points on the schedule this week. 
that's going to do it for week seven. Look, congrats to all of you guys in the four and one super fantasy league. The week gets heavy. I know Mike's got his Saturday main slate right up coming. Mike's, you know, away um, this week tied up. We're not going to have, obviously, the Friday night write-ups. We're not going to have the Saturday night write-ups, but he is going to get us that Saturday main slate write-up right up to you guys. So just one of those weeks, a lot going on. I'm trying to get this uploaded to the site, get it to you guys here on Thursday evening, give you guys some more material to digest going into the weekend. But that's going to do it for the week seven show. We're we're now in the home stretch now, right? And so that's that's the things that I'm looking at uh, and the things that are weighing on my mind going into the weekend and coming down the home stretch. But that's it, guys. Look, that's going to do it for the week seven show. My name's Joe DeSalvo, the voice of the CFF site. Good luck to everyone this week, and I'll be talking to you guys next week in week eight as we even get closer to playoff time. Till then, guys. See ya.